0: Okay, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, if you remember last week, uh, I'm not gonna review last week other than to say Genesis 1 through 11 is understood as the prologue of Genesis, really the prologue uh, of the whole Bible. So we see creation, creation, We see the fall. We see uh, uh, sin entering through a man. Then in chapter 4, through a family, through Cain. Then through a society. Remember in Genesis chapter 5, the society is just uh, feeding. Uh, It's a feeding frenzy on sin. God wipes humanity out in the flood but he preserves both the seed of mankind and the seed of sin and then we saw last week in Genesis chapter 11 now sin is organizing itself and 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 if you remember they came together and they were in disobedience where God wanted them to spread out over the earth they came together and they said hey listen, we're better together, we're afraid that if we don't build a city, that, that, that we will be scattered, and so they gathered together under a common language, and they said, let's build a tower, a tower, a monument to themselves, remember they said, to make our name great, and God caused confusion, the word there is called Babel, and remember we said it was the seed of what we know today as Babylon. That the system of Babylon, uh, of sin organizing uh, in itself, this sin that we see systematically going on over and over and over from generation to generation to generation all the way to today. That Babylon represents the enemy of God. It represents the enemy of God And so, as at the last part of chapter 11, if you remember, we see this little account of Babylon, and then we we see that he picks up where he started in chapter 10. It's known as the table of nations, but he's telling us about how all these nations and languages were formed. He pauses at the beginning of chapter 11. By the way, if you're wondering how the, the nations and languages were formed, Moses gives this account. And then he jumps right back in to this genealogy of sorts moving toward this man, Abram. Moves from Noah to Abram. So here's the interesting part. Sorry, could you say that again? Here is the interesting part. (laughs) The part of Sheila is being played by Siri. (laughs) All right. This is the kind of day I'm having. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where I am. Okay, so, yeah, the interesting part is there's nothing special. About Abram. Remember, at least in chapter six, what we heard was that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and that was the reason that he came to him and spoke to him. We don't see anywhere that Abram was doing anything in particular, and we just hear his name. We we see that his family was his family that God was going to choose to bless. And so, at the end of uh, chapter eleven, I want us to look uh, starting in verse twenty-seven. Since says, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, Haran and Haran, the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nabor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran and the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter in law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur the Chaldeans to go to Cana. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died. In Haran. So there are a couple of really uh, important things that are said. There's not a lot said about Abram, but here are two things that um, these little nuggets that we need to get because it's going to come to light in the story of Abram. First, we see that Sarah couldn't have kids. Isn't it interesting that they're just... they're talking about these people and it's very nondescript. Go back and read it. Doesn't tell a lot about anything they did, but he chose, Moses, believed to be the author, chose to tell us that she couldn't have kids. We'll see why that's important in a few moments, but she's about 70 years old when she's introduced to us, but it's an odd detail to give during a genealogy. Second, they left their home in Ur of the Chaldeans to travel to Cana. So if you remember last week, remember uh, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they were what direction? East. east. They were east of Eden or left. <laughs> may have been right depending on how you're standing. Um, so, uh, so, so now they have to settle east of Eden. In chapter 4, after Cain give, uh, kills Abel, where does he have to settle? East. East. If you move forward into chapter 11, it says that they settled where? Eastward. And remember we said that moving east represented settling away from God, that they were moving away from God. They were moving away from the garden, moving away from God's design, and moving into their own design. Well, guess where Canaan is with regard to Ur of the Chaldeans? West. So now we see that they are being called back to a place. They are being called back to God's original design. And so as they are moving, now they are moving westward, back toward God and his purposes. Why? Well, so we're going to pick it up. Chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land, I will show you. This is another example of, of Moses filling in the blanks. You remember at the end of chapter 1, there's the creation account, but then at the beginning of chapter 2, he says this is the account of creation. And now he is retelling the story with a little bit of a twist because now he's really telling uh, God's relationship with man and how it got started. And then if you remember, last week we saw all of chapter 10 was this table of nations, how nations and languages were were, were being started, in multiple languages. But remember at, at the beginning of 11.1, 1, it was now there was one common language on all the earth. Yes. What? What Moses is doing is filling in the blanks. He's saying, Oh, by the way, some of you may not know how this happened to be. Let me tell you. And now he's doing the same thing here. He's filling in the blanks at the end of chapter 11. They're heading to Cana, but now it is revealed why. And here's the first thing we know, because the Lord said, the Lord said, say it with me, the Lord said, say it again, the Lord said, we don't know why God chose Abram. We just know that he chose Abram. We don't know why. Now, scholars may get in and start uh, trying to navigate what they think it might mean, but here's what we know for sure. We don't know. He's just a guy, a no-name guy from really a no-name family, but here we get in chapter 12, verse 1, and, and he has been called directly by the Lord. The Lord said, and then what did he say? Leave your country, leave your people, leave your family and go to the land I will show you. Think about that. Abram is told to leave everything he knows and by faith, follow God to a new place. How's that sit with you? Does it scare anybody to death besides me? Right? What if today... God leaned in and said to you, okay, I want you to leave your security. I want you to leave your house. I want you to leave your family behind. And I just want you to go wherever I tell you to go. Mm. Are you ready? Ready? Three, two, one. Yes. <laughs> For a lot of us, it scares us to death. And that's why you're still sitting bored to tears in this thing you call Christianity. So this is a big ask from God. Leave everything you know and possess, but why? Because I have something better for you. For some of you, you think that you've got it as good as it gets, that you've peaked, that you've hit the pinnacle of your career, that you've hit hit the pinnacle of your earning power, and when you think about your life, man, you're like, man, I got it made. This is it. It'll never be better than this. In fact, if you're uh, later in life, you're probably like, man, I'm just coasting to the finish line, y'all. I'm actually sitting on my porch telling kids to get off my lawn. And God's like, no. I've got something better for you. Your your best days are ahead of you. I don't want you to coast to the finish line. I want you to run hard with me. I want you to dream hard with me. Have something better. So he's leaving everything familiar, everything secure. So are you ready? This is the beginning of a great God story. Leave and go. The beginning of every great God story is leave and go. And let me just respectfully say to you, God will not fill in the blanks until you leave and go. For some of you, you are waiting. Hey, God, I love that idea. I love that plan. I'm, I'm all in. Just show me what's next, right? Just give me just a little glimpse of what the next step is, and then I will follow in obedience. I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. Just tell me where the ends of the earth is. Show me the path. Show me exactly what you want me to do. Show me if I'm going to get rid of this house. Show me the new one, <laughs> Right? And know this, if you are only moving in what you can see, that is good eyesight, it's not faith. Amen. Faith is the substance of things we can't see. And man, that makes us pucker up, doesn't it? We're like, can I say that? I'm I so sorry that you laughed at that. Um, uh, man, it does, it makes us nervous. That's a better way to put it. It makes us really nervous. Let's take that off live stream. Uh, it's a hard truth. Leave and go. Leave and go. And God will not fill in the blanks until you leave and go. So I, th- I think about John and Tracy Rizzo. I think I saw them this morning somewhere. Are y'all in the room? If you're in the lobby, yell. <laughs> that was him. <laughs> He's so humble. Um, so uh, John and Tracy Rizzo. John was an attorney. In upstate New York, he felt a call by God to the nation of Haiti. He, he meets up with Mike Reisner in Haiti and, and, and uh, gets involved with core love, and God would not let him go. And he left upstate New York to come to Texas, of all places. Like, talk about a foreign land, right? <laughs> From upstate, to New, upstate New York to Texas. He left and he went really not fully understanding what it was all about. He left security and safety because God had something better. I think about Jason Phillips. Uh, he and I, I think it was three and a half years ago, we were on a vision trip uh, with Love in Haiti and it was on that trip that he felt like God was telling him to walk away from his father's construction company and, and he and I had some conversations about it, sitting on this open air truck, driving through Haiti. And then he gets back and he called me on a Tuesday and said, "Hey man, just want you to know, I quit. I quit my job. I'm all in." I'm like, whoa, what? You didn't? <laughs> I didn't really offer you anything, but." uh <laughs> And today serves on our staff. Um, we've. Fire him several times a week, but he keeps coming back. Uh, but in all serious, seriousness, man, he walked away from security to pursue God's call. I think about uh, Yvonne and I in 1997. Uh, coming out of a really tough time in our marriage, uh, we got invited to come down here and interview at Woods Edge, and uh, so in April uh, of 1997, we, we come down in this little fledgling church plant, 150 people or so, um, all the way down here, Yvonne said, we are not moving to Houston <laughs> 25 years ago. And I think about that. Man, uh, both of us just, uh, God changed our heart and we ended up here really not knowing what the future would hold. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we left and went. Man, I thought Dallas was God's country. Um, But there's something more at play. For many of you, extraordinary God activity Will only happen when you take a step of obedient faith. Amen. What is God asking you to leave and where is God asking you to go? Are you willing to ask that question? Are you willing to leave and go not knowing where you're going? With just an idea that there's something that God's doing? Well, so God spoke, and uh, what I love is that throughout, we've, we've already seen it, right? Adam and Eve, what did God do? He walked with them. He spoke with them. He's, he's living in relationship with them. When Cain killed Abel, he comes and he has a conversation with him. Uh, in, in Genesis 6, he, he talks with Noah. And now here we see in chapter 12, the Lord God said, here's what we know about Abraham. He had an intimate enough relationship with the creator that when God said it, it was good enough for him. And know this, you may, you may be uh, uh, thinking, well, I don't know if God speaks today, and my question is, why not? Amen. I mean, the Bible is full of God speaking to his people. It's full of God interacting. And so here's the thing, how could we ever know the will of God in our life if we can't hear his voice? He says, leave and go. Look, verse two, he says four things to him. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on the earth will be what? Blessed. What's the word, operative word in those two verses? Blessed, say it with me, blessed. blessed. Say it like you mean it, blessed. Yes. Or you're on Instagram, hashtag blessed, right? <laughs> There's this picture of blessing. He says, listen, I, I need for you to leave everything behind and go. Leave your inheritance behind. Let the dead bury their dead. I'm inviting you to go. Yes. And what does he say out of that? He says, four things. Man, I'm going to make you a great nation and bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless as he bless you, curse those he curse you. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So let's unpack that. First of all, we've seen the blessing for the first time in Genesis 1.28. If you remember, in Genesis 1.28, he's just created. It's part of the creation narrative. And, and it says that God blessed mankind. He blessed them. And so this blessing, look, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So right at the beginning of Genesis, there's this picture of God blessing mankind. And now he's paying it forward. But here's the interesting thing. God is blessing man now post-sin. Mankind is jacked up. And it doesn't say that Abram was perfect and that's why he chose him. No, he had to work outside of his obedience, outside of sin and continue this blessing. So he says, I'll make you a a great nation and bless you. So God promises to bless Abram with land which will eventually become the nation of Israel. And what I love about this is God promises to bless in spite of their disobedience. But imagine Remember, who are the original hearers of this? These are are slaves, right? These are the children of what will be Israel who have been rescued from 430 years of slavery. They're wandering around in the desert and now they're hearing this story. What do you think they're thinking? Wait, there's land for us? There's a home for us? We're in the desert right now. God, God. Give a promise, the hope of a future for us. Yes. I'll make you a great nation. How would how would you feel if today you felt the Lord say, "Hey, listen, I am about to do something in you that is going to be just supernatural. I'm about to start something that you can never start on your own, and and you know it would be the equivalent of building a nation around you. It's going to be so big, so weighty." Um, I'm just going to bless you. So that's what God wants to do in every single person in the room, by the way. And it's not about financial windfall. It's not about uh, you making your name great. It's about God instituting what only God can do. And that's when you're blessed, by the way. When you're outside of yourself and you're outside of what only you can accomplish. That is the beginning of a great God story. So he says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Why is it important that God is saying this? Because it's really the opposite of Babel. Remember uh, Nimrod, who is believed to have been kind of the spearhead that was organizing, being a part of the sin organizing itself, building a city. And they said they were building a tower, Genesis 11, 11 4, so that we may make a name for ourselves, yes. right? Instituting this monument to their greatness. And now what does God say to Abraham? He says, listen, I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna make your name great. See, for a lot of us, we aspire to greatness and God's like, hey, that's awesome. I can't make you great because you're too busy trying to make yourself great. Have you ever been around anybody that you're trying to pay them a compliment, but you have a hard time getting a word in because they're too busy honoring themselves, right? They're affirming themselves, and you're like, oh, okay, well, sounds like you got that on lockdown, right? But in reality, that's what he's saying. He's like, listen, I am the one who makes your name great. So know this, if you are great in the world's eyes and you're satisfied with that, ouch, because God said there's something so much better, so much greater. He says, Leave and go. I'm gonna make a great nation from you. You'll be blessed. I'm gonna make your name great. But then what does He say? And you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. What does that mean? It means that you have been blessed for what purpose? To be a blessing, yes. Okay, so everybody lean forward for a minute. I wanna make sure you get this. Do you realize that salvation is not about you? Do you realize that every good and perfect gift that you've been given, uh, James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of the heavenly lives who does not change like shifting shadows. Here's what that means. Um, You are created, you are not the creator. And if you happen to be wealthy, man, good for you. God has blessed you with that. He has blessed you with that. And you know what your responsibility is? To be a blessing. If you're just an accumulator of wealth for your own glory and for your own purposes, know this, your tower's gonna fall, y'all. And that's a tough reality. We don't really like to talk about that because we embraced a prosperity gospel that tells us that God owes me, right? I'm faithful, and so now God is indebted to me. That's the heresy of the prosperity gospel, by the way. And so, man, just hug your neighbor real quick because this is gonna be hard for you. God doesn't owe you anything. The fact that you have breath in your lungs, that is a gift from God. And he comes to you today and he goes, oh, I want to bless you. But I want to bless you so you can be a blessing. And when you cease to be a blessing, I'm going to get mine one way or the other. Because know this, ultimately, God is for God. God is for his purposes, for his plan, and for his glory. And he will get the glory in this life or the next. So James 1.17 tells us very clearly every good and perfect gift, it comes from the Father. So it is from God, but it's also for God. 1 Peter 4.10 and 11, as each, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve Who? as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Get this, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever, amen. What is that saying? It's like, listen, you have an assignment on your life. You have a gift that God's given you and it is to be used to serve somebody other than yourself. Here's the deal. We're all, every single person in this room is generous. Unfortunately, most of us are generous to ourselves. And generosity in following Jesus is, hey, I hold on to nothing. Because it's not about me. I've been blessed to be a blessing. So uh, think about when, when, when Jesus uh, had this encounter with the rich young ruler. Uh, it's, it's a couple of places in the Gospels, but in Matthew 19, you know, he, he meets this guy and, and uh, the guy's asking him questions about, hey, how do I get to heaven? And he's like, well, how do you think you get to heaven? And, and uh, he gives him some, some commandments, you know? He says, hey, I've kept these since my youth. And he goes, hey, good job, dude, killing it. Just one more small thing. Give everything you own to the poor and follow me. Just one small thing I'm asking you to do, give all you possess to the poor and follow me. Yeah, that's a small thing, right? For some of you, your greatest fear is that God would have you sell everything and and move to a remote village in Africa, right? Isn't that what we hear all the time? Well, man, I don't want to be a missionary in Africa, you know, and and we we get freaked out. And it's like, why does everyone assume that that's where he's going to send you? Because in reality, there are plenty of lost people in Wood Forest, right? You know them. You were with them last night, right? So, so I mean, think about that. I mean, all over this area, there, there are people who are dying and, and spending eternity without Jesus. Amen. And what God is calling us to is letting go of our own dull version that we call Christianity It's saying, Jesus, I hold nothing tightly. It's all yours. Show me how I can use it for your glory. And I think about the rich young ruler, said he went away sad. Why? It's in his title, because his identity was wrapped up in being rich and young. He had the identity of he had way too much to lose in his eyes, and he went away Sad. His identity was wrapped up in brick making. His identity was wrapped up in what he currently possessed. And know this, if that's your story, that's okay. You come by it honestly. But here's what I know. We don't know what his name is. Could be Fred. Could be Sean. We don't know. Why? Because he wasn't willing to count the cost. And so he's just the guy that had a whole lot of money and had a broken heart and he went away sad because he knew that he was not gonna answer the bell when Jesus came calling. That's a tough reality. And then Jesus tells his disciples, hey, listen, yeah, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at what he says in Matthew 19, 26. He looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, what? What? All things are possible. So know this, if you are holding on tightly to what you have, know nothing is impossible without God. If you are scared to death because you're afraid of what you would have to give up in order to follow him, I mean, we did not plan this today. So this is, uh, Genesis 12 has been on the docket. So all this stuff that came up with the finances, we did not plan this today for this service. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to say to some of you, you're scared to death to be a part of a project because it doesn't add up on your spreadsheet. And he's like, when has anything ever really added up? And and, and I say this to you respectfully, please know this. Please hear me. I love you. But I trust God's ability to provide more than I trust your willingness to give. So it's going to work out. But for some of you, you are holding on too tight, living in disobedience, holding on saying, man, I don't know what that would look like. And God's like, do you trust me? I want you to leave some things and I've got somewhere for you to go, but I need for you to trust me. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Then he says, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. What he's saying is either you're for me or you're against me. And if you're for me, and if you're for those that I'm for, man, you're gonna be blessed. Yes. But I'll tell you what, come against my people and look what will happen. Amen. And we've seen that. We've seen the nation of Israel have to endure a lot over centuries and centuries and centuries. And they're still standing. Yes, they are. And there's still those who would love to do them harm. And they're still standing. Why? Because it's part of a covenant blessing. Yes. See, he's, he's drawing a line in the sand. And this is actually, he's establishing roots here and this whole idea of a covenant. we'll see it played out in just a minute. Um, But then he says, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the beginning of a promise. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed. Man, from this point forward, Abram, all the peoples of the earth, now and in the future, are gonna be blessed because of you. Can you imagine hearing that? That'll freak a brother out, right? There's some responsibility there. Well, what does that mean exactly? He's like, I just need you to trust me. Just leave and go. By the way, in your leaving and going, when you follow after me, I'm gonna do some things that are gonna rock your world. Amen. And I'm gonna bless all the peoples of the earth and they will be blessed through you. So he cements this in uh, chapter 15 and again in chapter 17. Look at uh, chapter uh, 15, verse two. But Amos said, Sovereign Lord, "'What can you give me since I remain childless "'and the one who will inherit my estate "'is Eliezer of Damascus?' "'And Abram said, "Uh, "'You have given me no children, "'so a servant in my holy household will be my heir. "'Then the word of the Lord came to him, "'This man will not be your heir, "'but a son who is your own flesh and blood "'will be your heir.'" "'What?' "'He took him outside and said, "'Look up at the sky and count the stars.'" if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Can you imagine that moment where Abram's like, hey, did you not read uh, the end of Genesis 11, God? My wife, she's barren. And he said, just look up at the stars. At another point, he says, look at the grains of sand. Those are your heirs. Those are the ones that will be your offspring. I'm going to bless you. And so what he promised, he begins to submit into this thing we call covenant. Then look at Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk faithfully before me, faithful, and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers Abram fell down, fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your your name will be Abraham, for I've made you the father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. What? Wow. He says it in, in Genesis 15. Look at the stars. Yes. And, and, and Abram said, uh, well, hold on, we got one problem. My wife, she old and she broke. He's like, I'll take care of that. Then he says again, hey, here we go. I got plans. I've got plans for you. I ain't making this covenant with you. You can put it in eight inch headlines. I'm changing your name. You are now the father of many nations. Then a couple of verses down in verses 15 and 16, he tells him he's changing Sarai's name to Sarah and that she is going to bear a child. So why did God choose to bless Abraham? Why did he choose to do it? Because God finishes what he starts it's it's what he began. He began it in Genesis 1. It says, I'm gonna I'm gonna bless these people. God is a covenant keeper. He is a promise keeper. Know this. You are a covenant breaker, but he is a covenant keeper. You are a promise breaker, but he is a promise keeper. And some of you are like, oh, you don't know me. I don't have to. You were born into it. You come by it honestly. Amen. You are broken. And God looks past your brokenness and he says, hey, I am a covenant keeper. I will finish what I started. He saw that mankind was broken, but he made a promise to bless them anyway. God said, leave and go. I will bless you, but not only will I bless you, you will be a blessing, you'll be protected. Generations will be blessed because of you. And look at verse four, this is where we end. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. He says, Here's my promise to you. I'm about to rock your world. It's gonna, it's, it's, it, what I'm going to do is massive. You couldn't possibly understand it. Just leave and go. He says Abram. He left and he went. Just as the Lord had told him. This is a picture of faith and obedience. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, it's known as the hall of faith. In verse eight, it says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Do you trust me? Leave and Go. So, here's the final thought. When you get time this afternoon, flip over to Matthew chapter one. Beginning in the New Testament, Matthew chooses to start the gospel with a genealogy. And look at chapter one, verse two. Abraham was the father of Isaac. This begins the genealogy, and guess who it leads to? Jesus. What started as a covenant that God made with Abraham, that covenant was completed in the purpose of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Listen, I'm going to bless you. In fact, this whole idea of all the peoples of the earth will be blessed because of you. Well, guess what? Abraham had a lot of sin in his life. As we follow his story, he did a lot of uh, wrong things. He did not trust God. He he went to Egypt because he was hungry. He lied twice about his wife being his sister and not his wife. That's weird. And over and over, God looked at him and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. leave and go. Leave and go. There's something I'm going to do in you and through you. Why? Because God's a promise keeper. Yes, Second Corinthians 1.20, the Apostle Paul says it so beautifully. He said... Uh, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. In Jesus, all promises are fulfilled. Past, present, and future. He is the fulfillment of every promise. Whatever you're looking for in life, John fourteen six, Jesus said it. Whatever you're looking for, I'm the way to it I'm the truth about it, and I'm the life in it. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. All roads lead through the cross. His broken body, his shed blood, it was for your forgiveness. It's because God said, listen, I'm making covenant with you, the person in your seat. I have paid the price once and for all, and I'm inviting you to leave and go. Leave your sin and go get behind Jesus and let him be the leader of your life. Amen. And in that, I will fulfill every promise that I have put into action. And I love it. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, to all that received Jesus, those who believed in his name he gave the right to be what children of God we are grafted into the family tree that is who we are just because we're not Jewish by race we through Jesus have been grafted in to this promise grafted in to this covenant children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will but born of who of God, when you say yes, you move immediately from death to life, and Jesus is at the center of it. Yes. Amen. So we talk about living your Ephesians two ten calling all the time. For we are God's workmanship, His handiwork, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. This is where we land today. God is the covenant keeper. Jesus is the activator of the good works in you. He's the activator of the plan. If you were wondering, man, how do I get to to God's plan for my life? All roads lead through Jesus. You can't get there any other way. That should be the most freeing statement some of you would hear today. That if you want to know God's plan, his purpose for your life, number one, he's a covenant keeper. And his covenant was cemented in the person of Jesus Christ. And anyone that says yes, you're grafted into the family tree. Whoo, guys, that's good stuff. Yes. If you want to look for Jesus, he's on every page. Yes. He's in Genesis 12. Yes. He is the ultimate covenant that God has made with you and me. Yes. You can't do it. Leave and go. Leave and go. Leave. Your life, you're trying to do it on your own. Leave your tower that you're trying to erect. Follow me. Follow me. I'll make your name great. I'll bless all the peoples of the earth through you. But It is for my glory and my purposes.